afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity. So the purpose of this show is for us to understand how can shamanism, which are ancient, ancient skills, help us in our lives today in practical, functional ways. So to begin today's show, I want to thank you for listening and ask you to continue to share as you have been and invite others to listen as well so that we can open up people's minds and hearts and lives to the possibility of deep, deep soul-felt transformation. So I call in my ancestors, my mother's mother and my mother's father. My father's father and my father's mother and all the way back through all the grandmothers and grandfathers to the first people. From these first people, we are all connected. So I call out to your ancestors as well, to all of you who are listening, that all that is good and true and beautiful in each of our ancestral lines Bring to us the wealth of that lineage that we may benefit from that today. I call out to the great spirits of the land, those that move the continents on this planet, and to the spirits of the land that are temporal and changing, moving with us through the seasons, reminding us that all that is constant is change. And we give thanks to the spirits above, the spirits of the sky, and we ask these energies all the way up to the highest part of the universe by whatever name you call those energies, we ask you to call them down into our circle here today that we may be guided, receive blessings and generosity and the protection of the energies that are of the sky realm. So we call in the above and below and the ancestors around and turn to the center and each one of us now, I ask that you call to the energy of the heart the unique and powerful energy within each one of us that allows us to bind and merge and powerfully mix the passions of our body with the clarity of our mind that we might find the way to live our soul's true purpose. Welcome, everyone. The topic today is shamanic healing, what it is and why it works. We've um, shared in the shows preceding this one, shamanism in general, how it affects everyone, how it can, you could learn skills and how it would apply to you. And those shows are all archived on the uh, Voice America website for those of you who haven't figured that out yet. So you can listen to the shows whenever you want to. Um, However, of course, it doesn't give you the opportunity to call in with questions or email your questions. But today we're going to talk about shamanic healing specifically. How can working with a true shamanic practitioner help you with the very specific aspects of your life? So what I'd like to do in the first part of our show here is just talk about, just describe for you a typical shamanic healing session. I know for some of you, typical and shamanic healing don't quite go together, but you all need to wake up and understand that there's shamanic healing happening all over America today. And we need to understand that it is part of our life, and the more that we embrace it, the more quickly quickly we can all come to an understanding of how powerful the soul is in moving us in our life um, in very practical ways, from job to career to a calling, from lost and disenfranchised to whole and connected, from 
confusion and not having any idea how to parent those teenage kids to some sort of sense of clarity and guidance and understanding that there is a through line, there is a plan that unfolds if we participate with that plan. So, shamanic healing. A typical shamanic healing session, your first task in a shamanic healing session is to find a shaman that you resonate with. And the things that I encourage people to look for in a shamanic healer are um, experience. I strongly encourage you to work with a shamanic practitioner who has years of experience in shamanic healing. I also encourage you to work with a shamanic practitioner who is very clear that they have been initiated by spirit, not simply graduated or been certified from a number of workshops. And many shamanic practitioners will not tell you the specifics of their initiation because it's very powerful, it's very intimate. Um, It is not something we would normally share. However, there is the experience of having been initiated that a shaman can clearly Talk about the before and the after, and that way you can know that they've really been asked by spirit to, or required by spirit to step into this role um, and serve their own soul's purpose and the lives of others in this way. Um, Let's see, experience, and that they've truly been initiated. Oh, and the third thing would be that, that the practitioner is willing to follow up with you and help you to integrate your shamanic healing work. The integration of shamanic healing is not necessarily a traditional part of shamanic healing, so you don't necessarily get trained in it when you're trained in a traditional shamanic culture. But it is necessary for contemporary people because we do not have a context to easily integrate shamanic healing because we are not living in a shamanic context. We're living in a contemporary American context or contemporary German or whatever. But unless you are living in a shamanic culture, You need your shamanic practitioner to be willing to work with you to integrate the experience because you don't necessarily have a context to really understand what happened and to to deeply um, engage with all of the changes and the transformation that one single shamanic healing session can bring to you. So if your practitioner can't do those three things, doesn't have experience, is not initiated, and isn't willing to... um, work on the integration with you or to guide you in that integration, um, I would suggest that you continue looking because those things are very important in the long-term and deep integrated success of your shamanic healing. So you found your shaman. You go to your shamanic healing session. It's important to understand that whatever it is that you're asked to exchange for your session, be it money or two cows or whatever, that what you're exchanging for your session needs to be a sacrifice for you because you're not, well, I should say because you are, through the shaman, engaging the invisible world and engaging spirit. Spirit understands sacrifice. Spirit doesn't understand whining. Spirit doesn't understand fence-sitting. Spirit doesn't understand um, budgets. What spirit understands is that you make a sacrifice. At the same time, Spirit is always conscious of conserving energy. And so excessive sacrifice does not necessarily bring you a better shamanic healing session. The issue is to be in truth with yourself and with spirit and to bring what is truly an appropriate sacrifice for the healing of your soul at this time. That which you can bring, but that which is a challenge to bring. And so it's important to recognize that It's not about fees and money and schedules. It's about you engaging with the process 
in an old and ancient shamanic way, which is to come to the session with need and willing to offer a sacrifice so that need can be met. With that said, you do not understand need to understand what you need. That's not your job. That's the shaman's job to figure that out. You simply need to be aware that you have a need and that you are willing to allow things to change in your life. So, assuming those things are organized, you have a need, you're willing to allow things to change, you've got your sacrifice organized, you show up at your session, and in a, in a normal, in America, shamanic healing session, most shamanic practitioners will talk, for, talk with you for a while. Now, the truth is, we don't need to do that. It doesn't really matter because we're just going to go ask spirit what we're going to do anyway. I mean, that's the whole uniqueness of shamanic healing is that we're going directly to spirit to divine what is the problem and what is the solution. But we usually will talk with you because most contemporary people get very nervous if someone tells them just to come in and lie down and have a shamanic healing session, that most people want to talk as a way to make their way into the session. For me, what I'm looking for with my clients is, are they clear about their need? How great is their need? How willing are they to allow change to happen in their life? And what is it in the best possible world that they're looking for? That's all that I care about. I don't really want people to tell me what they think the problem is. I'm more interested in the sincerity of their need, the openness of their heart to change, and the clarity of what it is that they want out of their life. So with that done, the meat of your shamanic healing session is the work the shaman does in trance. And so, because we've talked about this in our other um, shows, that the shaman, what makes shamanic healing shamanic healing is that the practitioner is entering into a shamanic trance state. There's lots of trance states involved in healing. So... understand that shamanic healers are not the only ones that use trance, but they're the ones that use shamanic trance states. In those trance states, they're very task-focused. They're going to be asking the helping spirits they've already developed a long-term working relationship with, and potentially your helping spirits, what it is that you need to heal at this time. And that may have to do with what you think needs to happen, and it may not. And then in that, they will essentially diagnose the situation, what needs to happen, And then the next set of questions they'll be asking the helping spirits, theirs at least, and very possibly yours as well, is what is the remedy for that problem? And there may be many steps in that remedy. The shaman will then proceed in um, doing the shamanic steps and clarifying for you the steps that may not be shamanic. So for me, in my sessions, what that looks like, practically speaking, is... Both of us lying uh, comfortably um, on the floor, and your job is to focus on your need. My job is to enter into the trance state, and what I do once the session begins and I enter into the trance is narrate the trance as I go. And so you'll hear me talking, just reporting as it happens, me talking to my helping spirits, me greeting your helping spirits, me asking what needs to happen to help you to heal, me traveling to wherever that answer is, and then me working with whatever the energetic situation is that we find to accomplish the remedy that I've been guided by the helping spirits to accomplish. Now, we're about to go to break, and so what I'll do in our next session is is just offer some examples of what that might look like. 
But anyway, basically, journey, 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 narrate, 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 and the remedies unfold through the process. And then the important thing that makes shamanic healing shamanic healing is whatever energies need to come back to you are then taken from the invisible world and put back in your body where they belong, or energies that are in your body and don't belong there are removed and put back where they do belong. And so the important thing about shamanic healing, number two important thing, number one was working in a shamanic trance state. Number two was that energy is moved in the invisible world to affect the change that we are looking for in the physical world. So we'll talk more about that when I come back. And I'm very interested in calls from anyone who's had a shamanic healing session from any practitioner. It doesn't have to be with me. Please call in or email. The phone number is 866-472-5795 or email us at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Welcome back, everyone. All right, so we're going to talk about imaginary shamanic healing sessions. So... Uh, just so that you can have an understanding, if you've never had one, about what it might be like. And so imagine Betty. And let's say that Betty had various things to say, but one of the things she was talking about is how she's been in therapy for eight years. It's been good therapy. She loves her therapist. It's been working. She feels much better about many things, but she, just as things are going well, there always seems to be this underlying feeling that the joy keeps running out of things. It doesn't quite hold somehow. And she's done lots of workshops about this and many, many things to learn new ways of approaching her life. But still, the joy that she manages to manifest in her life seems to drain away. So let's imagine that that's Betty's presenting issue. So Betty lies down. She focuses on her need for things to change. Um, the shaman enters into the journey and asks for uh, what is the source of this problem in Betty's life? And let's imagine that the shaman gets taken to a young girl. And this is Betty at age seven or eight or something like that. And that she's drowning. And the shaman asks, what is the true nature of this sea that she's drowning in? And the sea is a sea of grief. And so the next thing is to communicate with the girl, the seven-year-old girl, to find out why she's drowning in this sea of grief and invite her to return to the woman that she is in the future. So let's imagine that conversation ensues. Girl agrees to return. And so the shaman's job then is to take her energetically, but literally, and to draw her in. So I would draw her into my heart to move her from where she is lost in the invisible world, which is outside of space and time, back here into the physical world where we are connected into space and time, and then to remove that little seven-year-old girl from my heart and place that energy back into Betty, into her heart and the top of her head, so that that energy that began as Betty but split off at seven is returned to her. And so what we find out then later as Betty and I work to integrate this soul part, is that Betty's entire life was overshadowed by the fact that her father was always in grief because his first child, who was a son, died in childbirth. And that Betty felt her entire life that she was drowning in her father's sea of grief. And that by the time she was seven, this pain became too much for her to negotiate anymore 
and this little seven-year-old that's drowning in the sea of grief split off and got stuck. That's soul loss and soul retrieval. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but I wanted to share another example. Let's imagine Joe. And let's imagine that Joe has chronic shoulder pain. He gets lots of body work. He's, um, he's fit. He's working out. He's not getting repetitive use injury, but no matter what he does, he keeps re-injuring this shoulder. Joe also notice, notices, but doesn't actually make a connection to it, he also notices that he has a pattern in relationship where when he's getting frustrated, with just normal everyday frustration, not that that is anything abnormal, but that often that if there's another person around him, be it an intimate relationship or a work relationship, that frustration suddenly begins to escalate into anger and an argument and that he's beginning to notice himself, watching himself in the argument, wondering, why am I so upset? So these are Joe's presenting issues. And so Shaman Journeys um, connects with the Helping Spirit, asks to diagnose the problem, and what we find is that Joe has an energy that has taken up housekeeping in Joe's shoulder, the one that he keeps re-injuring, and that this energy is attracted to anger. And so the task then for the shaman is to find out, with the help of spirit, how to remove that energy from Joe's shoulder, since it doesn't belong there, and to return it to wherever it does belong. Because underlying many shamanic cultures is the belief that any energy where it belongs will support the overall complexity of life, whereas energies where they don't belong or energies in excess no matter, even if they're wonderful energies, do not actually support life. So these are our two examples. So we have Betty, who's an example of a soul retrieval or energy being brought back to her, and we have Joe, who would be an example of an extraction or energy being removed from Joe. Now, Joe would need to follow through by moving his energy consciously whenever he's in frustrated situations out of that old pattern of escalating into anger. So he would need to shift that pattern in his life because it would already have momentum. And then Betty is going to need to communicate with her seven-year-old self and bring to that seven-year-old self what her father was not able to bring to her. So there's follow-up for both of them. So what these two examples illustrate for us is the two aspects of shamanic healing. One is energy needs to be brought back, and the other is energy needs to be removed. So what makes for different kinds of shamanic healing is that there are different kinds of energy to be brought back, and there are different kinds of energy to be removed. We have a caller, Sharon, from Indianapolis. Go ahead, Sharon. Hi, Christina. Hi. I uh, saw you last summer. Wonderful. So what question do you have for us today? Well, I was just, I feel you found um, three parts of myself um, when we journeyed and uh, a really helpful hummingbird spirit. And it was a great experience, but they were, the parts of myself were very, um, had left me when I was very, very young, and and uh, it's sort of no wonder I was really depleted and couldn't function very well at this point in my life. And I feel like 
everything has um, come back and I feel whole and I feel wonderful. And so I guess how do you know when you're really, everything is fully integrated? Hmm. Um, well, wonderful, Sharon, that you're feeling better and whole and that your energy is back. That's excellent. Happy to hear that. The way that you, we have a sense that things are fully integrated is two ways. If we've been working with our parts and communicating with them, then um, we start to notice that there really isn't anyone to talk to anymore because the part is integrated back into us. So there's not really... Oh, that's true. Yeah. So did you have you did you notice that that in the beginning yeah. there was really these little people to communicate with, but over yeah. time there was they went and they went back one by one, and then you know there was sort of one holdout, and it <laughs> feels like yeah, there's no one to talk to anymore. Yeah, I still sort of talk to him, you know, just because, but there's nobody. So that's back. one aspect is if we are doing the work of the integration and aware of that conversation, we lose that voice because it becomes truly integrated back into the wholeness of who we are, which is where it always belonged anyway. The other way that we would notice an integration is complete is that we would have sometimes subtle but a pervasive change in our life in the issues the soul parts are allowing us to work on. So if it was an issue of authority, we now have a subtle but pervasive change in any situation where we're dealing with authority. Um, so I don't know if you can think of an example of that from your own soul parts, but something some way that you were in your life that yeah. has shifted I, now. I can, actually, if it's helpful. Oh, yes, absolutely. I um, was uh, in my uh, years back, I could speak no problem in front of a group, and then all of a sudden I just would have this terrible fear, and I could feel the shaking in my voice, and I just couldn't speak. And all of a sudden now there's just no issue. I made a presentation in front of a group of about 20, no problem. Then last Friday I went and there were 43, no problem. And um, I've got another one coming up, probably about 250 people. And I just, I feel like my old self or maybe actually a new self. There's just, I feel whole. I don't have the fears and I just don't even think about it. I just go and do it. Sharon, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in and helping people to understand what it feels like. And, it, I mean, how did you feel just in terms of healing? Did it feel simple? Uh, it was a lot of work. <laughs> uh, it was Because it was, it was very depleted. I think you remember me and Jane. Prior to the session you were very depleted? Yeah, we, yeah prior to. Yeah, oh, I was, it was terrible. I couldn't be alone. I was felt, uh, oh, I couldn't stand the... the you know, I dreaded the day. Yeah, I was pretty incapacitated, and I'd done everything that I could do for myself, and it was sort of like, okay, uh, here's where I really need help, and you brought those soul pieces back. I worked, you know, three months solid, full-time, and they started integrating. You know, it wasn't just a slam dunk that you went, got them, brought them back, and my problems were over. No, no, no. I had a lot of work to do. You told me that it was going to be like that. I was desperate, absolutely willing to do it, um, did it, and now there's just this wholeness, and I'm very grateful and um, feel great, and I thank you. Well, thank you for calling in, Sharon. Thanks. Thank you very much. And okay. and um, enjoy. <laughs> Sounds like life is more fun now for Sharon, and which is a good thing. So... Um, 
Sharon's story is not unique. It, I'm grateful for her to call in and share it, but understand that that is what we can expect from shamanic healing, in soul retrieval in particular. And any, any shamanic healing where we have energy coming back to us is that energy comes back, we integrate it. Like she said, she works three months to integrate it, but three months is not all that big commitment if you're looking at the rest of your life feeling whole and happy and having energy. So that's energy in, and we'll talk a little bit when we get back about energy out. Thank you all for being with me today, and don't forget to call in or send us an email. Welcome back. So let's talk about these energies. So from a shamanic perspective, we're looking at a person as an energy being living in an energy world. And we're looking at that person and we're knowing that the primary state of well-being for that person is going to be that person fully present in their body living their soul's purpose. And so what the shaman is working with the spirits, the helping spirits to find out is what energies need to come back to that person so that they are better able to live their soul's purpose or what energies need to be removed from that person because they don't belong there to make that person better able to live their soul's purpose. So with energies coming back, from Sharon we heard about soul parts, which is actually a little blob of your own soul energy that's gotten stuck in an unresolved issue from the past. So it's outside of space and time and waiting for someone to come back and find it and bring it back to you so it can re-engage with you in the current space and time. We can also lose energies like chakra energies or body part energies. Sometimes when we have a, um, a physical injury, like you blow out your knee or something like that or break an arm or something, there can be a loss of um, body energy in that. Sometimes when we're in um, relationship, um, powerful teaching or healing relationships, there can be an inappropriate use of energy and we can lose energy that belongs in a particular chakra. Um, the next kind of energy that comes back that is considered a shamanic healing is a reconnection to your own helping spirits. So the symptoms of someone who needs this kind of healing would be the kind of person that's always having mishap in their life or they're always kind of sick but not really sick, just a constant problems. They lost their keys and then their apartment got broken into and then they locked themselves out of their car and just this sort of chronic low-grade problems that are distracting from living your soul's purpose. This is often a situation of a person being disconnected from their spirit help. So returning the spirit help, as Sharon discussed, the hummingbird. So having a helping spirit returned and re-engaged with you is considered an energetic healing. And then finally, the simplest um, form of energy that can be brought back to a person is simply the divination or the diagnosis or clarity about what the problem really is and what they need to do to um, proceed. In the divination phase of um, the healing work that I do with people, lots of really interesting things come through. They may need to do a ritual. They may need to communicate with the spirits of their land. There are various um, pieces, that, uh, pieces of information that come. So that's kind of the range from soul lost information of the kinds of energies that come back. We have a caller on the line, Mark. So, Mark, what question do you have for today? Hello, Christina. This is Martin Brennan. And calling because I've been able to, I'm in my late 30s and had two soul retrievals, one in my mid-20s and one in my mid-30s, and very much echoing what your earlier caller had mentioned, uh, very much 
a sense of more energy afterwards, uh, more focus, and ability to actually accomplish more both in relationships and at work with that energy, with those soul parts coming back. And do you have a question? I have a question. And do you have to know um, that what you have to know what it the ailment when it comes to the soul, or can you just can you just have a feeling that you know that you that there's probably something in one's past that needs that uh, a soul retrieval? Uh, do you, I guess my question is, do you need to know what part needs to be retrieved? No, you don't. And actually, sometimes being attached to the idea that this is the particular thing that you want healed can be problematic because it's not always the order spirit thinks things should happen in. So all that we need to have, even at the simplest sense, is just a sense, the way my life is right now has got to change. That's like the base level of need that we need to be clear about is it's got to change and I'm willing to allow it to change. Now, many of us are aware of other things. For example, I've never been the same since whatever happened. I know I had more energy at another time in my life. Where did it go? Or I'm doing everything I ever thought I wanted to do in my life. Why am I not happier? Um, any, any of that sense that we many of us have Things should feel different than they do right now. What is wrong? Another feeling is the sense of constantly working on ourselves, and yet somehow the, the result of those efforts keeps draining away. Because there is a quality created by soul loss, which it makes us energetically a bit of a leaky bucket. I don't know if you felt like a leaky bucket before you had your soul retrievals. But it's yes, that, that would sense. Be. Go ahead. What was that? I said, yes, that would be a good description. I never thought it that way. <laughs> Where you're just working and working and working on yourself, and yet somehow you're not really getting the payoff it seems you should be getting for all the energy and the resources and the time you're putting into what you're doing. What that usually means is you're doing great things, but, you're, but the result of those great things are being placed into a bucket that is leaking. And so what soul retrieval is doing is it's mending the leaky bucket so that eventually the bucket becomes coherent again and all the efforts of transformation and healing and consciousness or whatever it is that you're doing in your life begin to collect in the bucket and eventually you get to that place of abundance, of internal energy abundance where it's truly overflowing. And that's the place that we can really begin to give to others from in a healthy way. Well, thank you. I enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. So... There's energy that needs to come back, and the primary reason, thankfully, has been illuminated from Martin's question, which is if we don't have all of these parts of ourselves back, we are a leaky bucket. And no matter how hard we work on ourselves, um, the energy simply pours out. And as we get older and older, um, like over 40, we start to really notice that we do not have use to throw at things anymore to solve that problem, and the leakiness of the bucket becomes very pronounced and very um, definitive at that time. Some people feel it much earlier. I encourage people to deal with it sooner rather than later because it's much more fun, much more joyful, much greater benefit to offer to the world if we go through life whole, living our soul's purpose, than, than leaking and wondering why things aren't more interesting, aren't more passionate, aren't more 
why we don't know why we're here. These are things that can come clear to us as we get ourselves back and integrate into wholeness. So the other side of shamanic healing that I promised to talk about is the energy outside. So that can begin the simplest form of energy out could be what we would call a cleansing in shamanism where there's some diffuse energy throughout the body or the energy system that doesn't belong there and it needs to be removed. Sometimes that's done through different kind of baths or even just smudging. Um, That's probably the least intense version of removing energies, but that doesn't mean it's not powerfully effective. Just in terms of the work the shaman's putting into it, it's some of the least intense is the cleansing. And then as the energy that needs to be removed gets more localized, like the story about Joe and the shoulder, or an illness, or a tumor, or something that is in a physical place in the body, that we be, we shift from calling it a cleansing to an actual extraction when there's a definitive energy to be removed. Um, even if it's an emotional energy, like someone is an anger magnet, and that anger that is not really theirs needs to be removed, that's called an extraction in shamanic terms. And then eventually, the, the most intense version of this um, energy out part of shamanism, we would call a depossession, where the energy that is invading the person's life or their energy system is highly organized, um, much more highly organized than a tumor or an illness, and is actively engaged in um, drawing energy from the person's life. Um, and so the whole purpose in all of the energy out is to make sure that there is not any energy that is not yours and is not meant to be with you drawing off your life force. And the most important thing to think of when it comes to this idea that energies can come into our space, is that you need to live your life more passionately than anything else can. If you are engaging all of your energy in the passionate passionate pursuit of your soul's purpose, nothing else can draw off your energy. But the issue for most people is that there's a little um, gap between the energy that they have available and the extent to which they're really engaged in their life. And those gaps are places that energy can come in and want life more than you do. Um, So that's basically shamanic healing, energy in and energy out. And there's just different techniques for bringing things back or taking things out. But functionally speaking, that's all that's happening in shamanic healing. Why this works is a good question. And I personally think the reason that it works is because we are treating the invisible aspect of our lives as a real um, cause and effect part of who we are. And that's my sense of why it works, is we're not treating these energies just as metaphor, just as an idea in our mind, but we're actually treating these energies, be they invasive energies or energies we need retrieved to us, as actual things that need to be contended with and that each of these energies, whether it's an energy coming back or an energy taken out, is going to require us after the healing to integrate and to change our patterns of behavior because our behavior is just a bunch of energy patterns as well. And if we've been learned how to live as a leaky bucket, we need to learn how to live as a coherent bucket. If we've been moving along through our life with something inspiring us to sadness, 
we're going to need to get out of the habit of sadness. And so there is a big piece in shamanic healing that the shaman can't do for you, which is how do you integrate and transform the patterns that are organized around the energy being gone that you need or the energy being present that you don't need. And so the integration is a big part of shamanic healing for contemporary people and why I said in the very beginning that it's one of the third three important things when you're selecting a shaman is that the shaman can actually help you and guide you in the process of that integration even though the integration is a piece of shamanic healing you do need to do yourself. For many people there's a euphoria right after a shamanic healing session um, or some sort of extreme energy state right after the session and most people treat that as the point of the session and what you miss in that is the possibility for deeper and true transformation that comes as you work with what happened in the session over time. And that's um, one of the main things that I specialize with with my own clients. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the bigger picture of shamanic healing, how that fits um, into our lives. And we're still available for calls and for emails, so feel free to call in or email at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Welcome back. So one of the great things about living in America today is that you have access to shamans. You have access to contemporary shamans like myself, who are just a regular old white girl that's got called into this crazy world of shamanism and um, is learning to function in that way, you also have access to indigenous shamans coming from other countries and bringing their um, traditions of shamanism here. And it, it, there's actually um, quite a number of people that you can access of very different kinds of healings. And one of the things I wanted to make sure I said today in the show before we close is that when you're working with a traditional shaman, there may be aspects that are part of that culture that are expected that are a culturally expected aspect of shamanism that are not necessarily seen in shamanism globally. For example, um, a shaman who grows up in the Amazon and is working as a practitioner in the Amazon is expected to also be a plant medicine specialist, that they're expected to communicate with the plant spirits and work with the plant spirits as a, as a, as a medicine person in addition to being a shaman and being able to move the energy in and move the energy out. And so that's a cultural expectation, for example, of an Amazonian shaman. And there aren't, there are very few, if any, shamans recognized in, in that culture that aren't also working with the plant spirits. That's not necessarily true globally, but it's certainly true within that culture. Um, the other thing about working with shamans is there's, every shaman is expressing their own soul's purpose through their sh- shamanic work. And so there is uniqueness in shamans as well, which may also be a reason that you might at some point in time change to a different shaman because they have something unique to offer that um, you need at this point in time for your healing. One of the most unique things I've ever seen in a shamanic practitioner is a, is a person who had the, the unique skill of being a bone singer and that they could actually sing bones that were broken or misaligned back into alignment not a quick process, but it's an amazing gift. One of the things that goes along with this uniqueness in shamans is that some shamans can work at a distance and some shamans prefer not to. And that's something you might ask about, ask your practitioners. 
I am quite happy to work long distance for the energy retrieval part of my practice. I do a lot of long distance soul retrieval work, energy retrieval, power animal retrieval, a lot of that work, and some of the less intense energy extraction work. I don't personally choose to do the, a lot of the energy removal work long distance. I'm not, I'm not that good at it long distance. But I know practitioners who are excellent at depossession, extraction, cleansing work, and are happy to do it long distance. So the ability to work at a distance is a shaman-to-shaman choice. Um, But it's also something you should know if you're out there in Kansas listening to me on your computer and you feel after today that you dearly need a shamanic healing session, you are welcome to contact me, and we can do that long distance. I don't need people to be physically present for that. And the way that you make that happen is you just email um, assistance at lastmasscenter.org or call our 800 number, and that information is all on the website, which is lastmasscenter.org. So we're happy to work with people long distance, and not everybody is. It's just... Part of it is really coming to know what are the strengths of different practitioners. I actually believe that we really should focus on being with people who are living their soul's purpose. So I often refer people out, not because I can't do it, but I know there are other practitioners who will do it better than I will. And so I'm constantly referring people to my colleagues that have specialties that my sense is from working with the person they need that specialty. So why not go to someone who's even better at it than I am? There is certainly no shortage of people that need shamanic healing in America. So um, that's one thing to understand about shamans is there is a lot of uniqueness in how they practice and what they can do and whether or not they can work at all at a distance. The other thing, again, which I've already talked about so I won't go into it, is really making sure that you're working with someone who can help you with your integration. It's very important. The next step in shamanic healing is actually to learn to journey on your own behalf and to connect with your helping spirits because your helping spirits can help you to heal if you can learn to communicate directly with them. And learning one skill called shamanic journeying to be able to then access the huge realm of benefit your your helping spirits have to offer you is well worth the time and energy to learn that skill. And it's a huge world of healing and guidance and power um, in terms of rejuvenation and restoration available to you if you simply will learn to journey and make a relationship with your helping spirit. So that's a big part of shamanic healing. For me, the, the, the real potential, the full potential of shamanic healing is to be able to engage in the work in a way that you shift your life paradigm. My personal belief is that our current American life paradigm is not the healthiest approach to life and that we can happily live here in America and enjoy the benefits of this culture and contribute more effectively to those things that aren't so great if we actually shift our own internal life paradigm to a more shamanic paradigm. And the way to do that is through engaging with our helping spirits and shamanic healing and and beginning to understand how these deeper energies of the invisible world actually operate all the time, operate in our lives, and um, allow us then to engage in the guidance and the assistance that's available to us. So these are the things that I think are important, and there's a huge potential in shamanic healing. We have not begun yet in this um, culture, in this country, to 
tap. So I have an email right here a minute before closing, which is a really great question I can't believe I didn't answer, which is what causes soul loss. And the important thing to understand about soul loss is anything you cannot resolve in a way that is satisfactory to your soul potentially will create soul loss. The kinds of things traditionally that create soul loss are accidents, tragedies, um, war, um, abuse, trauma. But it's also important to understand that soul loss can be created because you moved at seven from a school that you dearly felt supported in to a school that you were not felt supported in. So anything your soul can't resolve can potentially, not necessarily, but potentially. So thank you all for joining me today. As we hear the music for closing, I want to quickly thank the ancestors for being with us here today and guiding us in this conversation. Thank the deep spirits of the earth and the spirits of the sky above for holding us in that loving embrace between the two of them. And thanks to the heart in each and every one of you that unites us all. There's much more information on the website, lastmasscenter.org. You can purchase the encyclopedia there. And please share information with others. Thank you. Thank you.